Oh, okay. Well, I got another question already. Look at Aaron. Aaron, he used he had used his one minute allotted <laughs> talking time. <laughs> hey guys, um, I'm Sevon, and uh, this is my podcast. I'm honored to have you guys on. Um, where do you start? I've never spoken with anyone who's locked up before. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even understand the. I, I sat there in the shower this morning trying to get my head wrapped around what it would be like if I was locked up, and uh, I failed miserably. I, 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 it's, it's only questions, right? Like, hey, can they get a glass of water when they want? Where do they go to the bathroom? What, like, what if they want to talk to their mom? Like, I. It, I just can't even get my head wrapped around it. But before we get into what you guys are doing, can you guys tell me your names? And I'm going to write them down so when I want to talk to you guys, I can address you guys one by one. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Brandon Cruiser. Okay. I'm Jonathan Willis. Okay. Go by John. Okay. Um, Taylor Doucet. And where are you guys? And we're in Sterling Correctional Facility, uh, the east side of Sterling Correctional Facility. And uh, what state is that in? Colorado. And when you say the east side, what's that mean? Besides the um, designation of the north, south, east, west. Sterling is the largest prison in Colorado. And so um, they have multiple custody levels here. And so they've uh, designated half of the facility is a higher custody and half of the facility is a lower custody. And we are on the lower custody side. We are a minimum restricted facility. And uh, yeah, so it's a low, it's nicer living than where, where we started out. Oh, you, you guys didn't start off on the lower custody side? Uh, no, sir. Um, I have almost uh, 16 years incarcerated now. Um, Brandon, how many years? I've got about 13. Taylor? Yeah, I'm going on 10 years. Yeah, we all started in um, either close custody or medium custody, which is designated as a level four facility, which is uh, it's more um, security conscious um, because you have, um, you know, um, an, an initial crime rating or, or points rating according to the severity of your crime will, will put you in a higher custody level. And through um, good behavior and uh, proven track record and earned trust. Uh, you're able to work your way down to a lower custody level. And, and do you guys mind if I ask you how old you are, starting with John, then Taylor, then Brandon? Yeah, I'm, I'm 37. Taylor? Uh, I am 28. Brandon? And I'm 31. So, 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 John, you've been in since you've been 21 years old? No, uh, 23. 23 and Taylor you've been in since you guys just I always tell people I'm great at third grade math <laughs> yeah right. yeah go, going on 16 so it was a little bit yeah okay and Taylor you've been in since you've been 18 uh, I just turned 19 and I was four months out of high school mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Brandon you've been in don't tell me let me do the math <laughs> if it's not 2159 I can't do it either <laughs> yeah. you've been in since you've been 22 since I was 19 19. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Guys. I have a similar story as Taylor <laughs> right out of high school. That is hard. And so you guys have never. And did you guys arrive at Sterling? I, I did. Yeah. Uh, my my first facility was uh, Lyman Correctional Facility. I, I did 25 months in the county jail, and then um, after after sentencing, I, I went to Lyman. 
in 2008. And, and when do you guys get out? I currently have a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Wait, 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 hold, sorry, hold on a second. There's no chance of you getting out of there? Uh, yeah, my minimus is, is four nines. Um, and so that's, that's my current sentence. Yeah. For what's that mean? Period. What's that mean? Minimus minimus. Um, that's when, um, when I'm to be released, uh, what my release date would be. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, basically it's, you know, year 9,999. That's, that's how they, they do that. Uh, my parole eligibility date, um, and so, yeah, that's how they, they quantify that. It exceeds your life. It exceeds your life. Correct. Expectancy. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, ta- and Taylor, when do you get out? Um, I have a 28 year sentence and uh, I'm doing half of it. So I actually am looking at halfway house in uh, about two years or less. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Brandon? I have a 50 year sentence uh, and I'll be eligible to uh, see the board that determines whether I can get out the first time in about 2045 i think john can you can you is that can you even get your head wrapped around that like how does that how how do you process that well it starts with um recognizing what i did and and weighing my um the rest of my life in light of the pain that i caused and and being realistic about that first and so um, that's, that's the, how you begin that journey. You know? And it didn't happen until about 10 months into my county jail sentence when um, I was doing anything and everything to kind of escape reality of, um, that's usually the knee jerk reaction to um, you know, a, a murder case and, and committing a crime like that. And, um, but when it really sunk in and um, you know, everybody has their aha moment at a different time. I was very blessed to have mine 10 months into my county jail sentence to where uh, I just came to the realization that I caused a tremendous amount of pain and an immeasurable amount of pain for the, the victims. Mm-hmm. And um, I needed to reconcile with that. And so um, went back and forth with, uh, with, with myself and uh, with my lawyers on, on what my options were. And the best option was to plead guilty to what I did because um, I owed, at the very least, that to the family, if a, an apology was going to be real. And so in, um, you asked about the start of it, okay? And so um, when I got to sentencing, I pled guilty. My, I was able to address my victim's family and give a formal apology, and they were able to give a response. And my victim's sister, um, as I was leaving the courtroom, uh, told me to go in there and help people, Jonathan. And so that was the start of, of how to deal with that was number one, she recognized my value and that I still could help people. You know, it it was, um, a subtle way of saying you still matter and you can matter to others. Don't waste it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's how, that's how I dealt with that. You know, I'm in prison for the rest of my life because I, I earned the sentencing according to the, the current laws. And so, able to to move forward every day because i was given a purpose by the very people that i heard do, do they have a program in the prison that like like a 12-step program instead of like a 12-step program might be like how to quit drinking do they have a program like hey how to reconcile 
What's your situation? Like a 12-step program for you guys or something? Not that I'm aware of. They have um, like victim offender dialogue programs um, and um, to where you can write a letter uh, to your victims if you choose. And, and if it gets accepted, it goes into a letter bank in which the victim's families are notified that there is a letter if they ever want to read it. But beyond that, um, I'm not aware of anything else. So, so it was just fortuitous that you stumbled across this process. Um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe I've said this about John a bunch. Of times. Sorry, oh, yeah. I lost my internet earlier. But John's like a way better person than me. I wouldn't have done that. I can just say I wouldn't have done that. I would have taken a deal. He had. He's being very humble in that. He could have not pled guilty. He could have gotten a deal, um, but he owned what he did. I would have taken the deal. He's a he's a an amazing person because of that. I wouldn't have done it. You know, and I think most people wouldn't have done it. So it speaks to his character, and um, hopefully the right people hear that that message someday. And you know, we've had we've had clemency for. Um, one of the program uh, founders, he's outside now on the board, um, and we're, we're always hoping for that. Sorry, now I'm really falling into these. Uh, John, have you ever thought about formalizing um, your process in writing for um, other prisoners? Um, no, I'm, I'm allergic to writing. <laughs> All right, I understand. I fully understand. I'm allergic uh, to reading. Yeah, no, but um, uh, real talk. Um, Redemption Road and the idea that cooked up between Brandon Brandon's ears five years ago to do this program has created an outlet for exactly what we're talking about. And, um, you know, our, our, our message and motto of changing prison through mentorship, accountability, and community is exactly that. And so even my personal journey started with somebody outside of me recognizing my value communicating that to me um, in on their worst day, you know, and that's what we hope to reproduce through the medium of barbells and the access that that gives us to other prisoners. And so um, it's a yes, no question. And so I believe our program is a good example of um, and, and our CrossFit affiliate behind bars of, of the journey that I took. It may not be the exact journey, that I took, you know, everybody's going to look a little bit different. And, um, but just because everybody else's may not have started in their during their sentencing in a course room or a courtroom doesn't mean it can't start in the gym tomorrow for any one of our guys. And we're there, we're there to help them with that. There should almost be like a, a, a master's class, like a, like a 10 part video series that you teach, like in 15 minute segments of how you came to that process. I bet you it would bring a lot of people a lot of peace but but i appreciate i appreciate you doing it in your own your own way it's uh i'm writing your idea down savon i will give okay. you credit <laughs> when we do it um uh, taylor what did you what did you put on your lap just out of curiosity i saw you said a black box on there is that like yeah it's actually a laptop oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking notes for the uh we usually just have little meeting minutes that we do just uh just to go over and 
refresh my memory in case I miss some gold, but mm. I got caught okay. up in the story. I didn't have time to take notes. <laughs> I thought maybe it was a 50 pound weight and you were going to go for <laughs> no, that. That's under the chair. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. behind the chair. <laughs> we got a good pump before we got on camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, I, and, I, and I really appreciate Brandon's V-neck. That, that, is, that is nice. Yeah, it's a little chest hair never hurts. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I always said it like if, if I went to the zoo, like people, I like the CrossFit Games because no one's like wearing any clothes and people will say something like, hey, isn't that shallow or this or that? I'm like, dude, if I went to the zoo and the, and the giraffe was wearing a turtleneck, I'd ask for my money back. <laughs> like I, wanted, I came there to, and if the aardvark had like a sock on his nose, I'd be like, yo, I came here to see that giant nose. I came to see the giant neck. <laughs> and at the CrossFit Games, I want to see these human bodies moving. Like it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, Brandon, so um, John was giving you credit what did, for, for, for something that popped up between your years five years ago. What is that? Uh, well, uh, five years ago, um, uh, a guy named Damien and I were looking uh, to throw out a challenge to our unit. And we decided upon the... Sorry, one second. What, what's, what's a unit? Uh, the unit is where they house a group of offenders uh, in a similar uh, common living area. And so, like, if a prison has a thousand people, that's subdivided into several units. And then every unit has um, several wings. And then each wing only consists of a limited number of inmates. So that uh, for cons uh, uh, security and all that, um, they have okay. uh, smaller numbers of inmates that they're dealing with at a time. And how many people, let's say, so if a jail had a thousand people, how many do, just roughly so if we can visualize it, a, a unit then would have how many? Well, it depends on the prison. Uh, okay. Each facility is different. Uh, they all have different layouts. They all look different. They all operate differently. And so, uh, for example, where John and I started in Lyman, uh, the units had about 150, they, they have about 150 people per unit, about 50 per pod. And there are three pods per unit. Pods are the same thing as wings. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. it just yeah, it depends on the footprint. Um, over on the high side of the facility, over here, which is similar to where we came from, Lyman, um, they have 300 person units, and so you know, correspondingly, there's more people in, in each in each pod because there's the same amount of pods. There's three pods. Um, so don't worry, um, Brandon. I'll get you back on that story with Damien. I, I just have one more question that's going the wrong direction here, real quick. Did you guys come from another prison together? Did I just yeah. pick up on that? Yeah. So John and I met uh, in. Shit. Now we got like four stories going. <laughs> this is great. We're both yeah, pastors, so we're all right. We've got like four <laughs> stories going. Yeah. Um, uh, story time. Um, so John and I met when uh, we were at Lyman. Uh, it was both of our first facility. And we worked in maintenance. John is a professional welder. He's the greatest welder I've ever seen. And I ended up in the welding shop as well. And uh, I just started studying under him. And that was uh, 11 years ago. About that. And uh, him and I have spent <laughs> almost every waking moment since then either living next door to each other or working t uh, with each other or eating at the chow hall together. I mean, we really uh, have as close of a friendship as you can imagine. Um, and so this ties in with the previous question that you asked because uh, eventually um, this program, uh, we pitched it to the 
major uh, programs at the time. And, and this program meaning you wanted to throw a competition out to the other guys. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so Major Warden Long, uh, I'm sorry, Major uh, Jeff Long, um, yeah. <laughs> no, those are two. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so Major Jeff Long, uh, he was in charge of programs at the time, and uh, John and I worked together, and we talked about this competition a lot, and uh, we talked with him about that, and Jeff gave us the go-ahead to do that, and uh, Jeff Long ultimately became the warden at this facility, and so. He knew what our program was. He knew that he liked it. He knew that it was effective at changing culture. And so he asked myself and Willis to come down to this facility. And initially we said, no, that's okay. We got it just about as good as you can have it for uh, serving your life in prison at Lyman. Um, but he was pretty adamant because he believed in the power of the program. And so he asked us to give, it, uh, give him a shot and just come down and visit the program uh, as inmates uh, and just for a couple days and take a look and see if we were interested. So we agreed to that and we were skeptical and hesitant and we came out and immediately we got uh, through the doors and we looked across the yard and we said, man, we believe without a doubt that this program can change the face of rehabilitation at this facility because guys are getting out frequently because they have short sentences here. Like we're talking one to five years. Uh, and so John having life, me uh, basically serving the rest of my life, um, we want our lives to matter. Although we're, we're gonna be in here forever, but that doesn't mean that we don't want to matter. That doesn't mean that we don't wanna make a change. And that also doesn't mean that we just gave up uh, because like John said, uh, you can take the failures of your life and let that be the last page that you write, or you can use that to try to create and script a whole new world that's better than what you did in it. And so we looked across this yard and we said, this program could change everything. Uh, and it was kind of hard because we did, uh, John was at Lyman longer than me. And I mean, I was there for 10 years and, uh, you have so many people that become family to you because at a place like that, almost everybody's there forever. And so the guy that lives next door to you is kind of your family. And so it's kind of hard to leave that. Uh, at the same time, um, it's worthwhile if you do it for a purpose. And so wrapping that back around, uh, that's why we're here at this facility. But this program, uh, going back to the original question of how did that come up? Uh, Damien and I, uh, he was a guy, he lived next door to me, a uh, close friend of mine. And uh, we wanted to host a competition. And so we started brainstorming on what that could look like. And so, 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 sorry, let me stop you here. So you guys were already doing CrossFit in the prison? No, not really. No, not at all. Okay, in so fact, when you say competition, you, you guys were just like, you guys worked out in the yard, yeah. and you guys were like, hey, let's do a competition. So they had weights, and John and I and a, and a third member of our core team, Trevor Jones, uh, we used to work out together. Um, I just did whatever John told me to do for the day, and uh, we did cleans, and we did deadlifts, and we did basic powerlifting, um, and we, we were strong, and we won a lot of the weight meets around there. 
And uh, so we were all fitness guys. And uh, when we put together this idea for a, a, a competition, um, we really weren't sure what this was going to look like and how to do a massive competition like that. And so uh, we started looking into the idea of the CrossFit Open. Um, I got a hold of my dad, who is a 42-year uh, Denver police officer, and uh, I just kind of asked him, hey, can you look on the internet and see what a snatch is and see what a double under is? Um, how did you even know about CrossFit? We did Yeah, well, oh. <laughs> I mean, we, we were aware of it because um, they were broadcasting the games on TV. And so okay. when we saw somebody like, like Amy and Sophia lifting weights that we were struggling to lift, we were like, oh, there, there's something to this. We want now, number one, my pride's hurt, you know, <laughs> and I want to figure out how to do that. Um, number two, that we just never seen any any kind of uh, compilation between the kind of exertion of power under weights as well as gymnastic capacity and, and different, you know, things like that. So it, it, it sparked our interest, mainly his interest. Um, and I was, you know, I was kind of the, ah, I'm kind of cool doing what I, you know, I, I like training like a football DB. Um, I'm cool with that, but, but yeah, that's what he's talking about. Okay. S sorry. To, sorry. To no, that's you. cool. Uh, yeah. So, um, I reached out to my dad and had him start looking up these movements. Um, and he wasn't really sure either. He's not a fitness guy. And so he said, Hey, I do know a guy, uh, that does know some of this stuff. Um, let me give him a call. And that was Aaron Brill on the call here. And uh, Aaron said, well, hey, why don't you guys look into the CrossFit Open? It's an online competition. You guys might be able to do that. And so we're like, awesome. Uh, still didn't answer a lot of our questions, but it did give us some direction. And so we put together this challenge and uh, put it out there for the inmate population. And uh, what was really cool is... The cool thing about CrossFit, CrossFit is this lure, it's a beacon, and it attracts a certain kind of person. It attracts a certain kind of person that really has this hard work mentality and this fight and their fire within them that wants to give everything they can to try to become better. And it's very noticeable in prison. It's always that kind of person that uh, finds themselves in that situation. Don't get me wrong. There are awesome people all around prison. Um, the, the common prison idea that exists, but that's not the whole story. And so when we put this competition out there, we had about 30 people. Was it, is that about right? Mm -hmm. We had about 30 people show up. And uh, <laughs> we just said, hey, whoever wins will... Uh, Cook you some brownies and uh, give you some soups, some chili ramen. Yeah. And uh, these guys showed up, and this is where the idea was birthed because it was the 2016 Open, and I think it was event number two. We were outside, and there was an older black guy, and there was a younger white guy, and they were doing the competition together. If you don't know prison, that might not seem like a big deal. But in prison, especially in Lyman, that never happened. Um, honestly, it's uh, prison is a place where 
Uh, it's very racially divided. It's very age divided. It's affluence divided. It's divided in every single way that you can imagine. So that people are very, very selective of who they spend their time with and oftentimes aggressive towards those that they don't. And so right away, when you had these two contrasting individuals coming together under this one idea, uh, I was standing there and I was judging and I watched this younger white guy, he was doing burpees, and the older black guy got down on his knees and was cheering for him. And it hit me so profoundly that I thought, what if that became prison? What if, what if you could use fitness to change the way that people interacted with each other and to change the way that they use their time to better themselves? Because a lot of people in prison have this uh, natural lure to fitness. They want to be big. They want to be strong. They want to be uh, in control. And so it's very different from being really great at uh, something else. Um, when you have big biceps, it speaks. So, Aaron, are you leaving us? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, Aaron, are you leave? Are you leaving us, Aaron? Oh, okay. That was fun watching you get dressed, by the way. Um. Brandon, is, it, it, you know you know what's crazy is um, uh, CrossFit spread to 162 countries on all seven continents, including Antarctica. It did it with uh, with no um, marketing plan, no dollar spent on advertising, um, and with no intention, with no vision to be a business. And you just explained why um, it is not only is it for every single human being, but it um, when my anyone who suffers next to someone else doing 100 burpees it's like being in a fight you know it's like when you see like conor mcgregor hug nate, nate diaz afterwards it's like they now share something that two other people will never share together right but but we can share it as a community this sort of suffering and it's funny because my mom my mom started crossfit at uh 69 she's 77 now and at first she always felt the first year was really hard for her because she always felt like the old person who was slowing the class down but um, the the she, she was at one gym and she had this uh, she had a coach there who was Filipino, and he broke off and started another gym and, was, and my mom went with him because she really liked him young kid who was just really cool to her, and uh, so then my mom did a competition at that gym and it was the first time I visited that gym, and I went there and there's 70 Filipinos who are between the age of 18 and. 35 and then my mom this you know at the time 72 year old armenian lady i'm like mom you never you never told me that they were all filipino and that you're the only white kid in here and she's like i didn't even know oh, wow. you know like awesome. yeah and it's just like that's of course she didn't know you know what i mean she's it, it, my mom's trip was that she was the old one not what so everyone has their hang up right but this thing you nailed it and it's so funny that no matter who digs for the crossfit treasure they always find the mm -hmm. same treasure and you even found it in prison. I'm going to tell you one more crazy story along that line that I'd noticed. I, when I lived in college, I went to school in Santa Barbara, and I went to college uh, at UC Santa Barbara. And in my backyard, I let homeless people stay in my backyard, as many as wanted, as many, like just whatever. And half of them were like – and I was homeless for two years too. So the vast, so the vast, vast majority of them were addicted to something. I would say all of them, uh, either meth or alcohol or – or something bad had happened to them and, and they were just drowning their sorrows, everything. 
there was there was one guy in there named Carms. He was a Rastafarian dude, super dark black. And then there was another dude in there we called Skinhead Dave, and he had the swastika tattooed on his neck and hate on his hands. But they both stayed in the backyard. They both came into the house when I cooked, and they became best friends. And I would even often see them sleeping on the couch together, like heads in opposite directions. And it was so fascinating to me. And at that point, I realized, man, all that shit is just like luxury. Like, but when it comes to survival, like if, if two of you can get on the same page for survival, and, and, and that's basically what I'm hearing that you're using CrossFit for is like survival. It's survival for your meaning of life, right? It's adding value to your life. And, and when I saw that and I saw that at a young age, I was like, oh, shit. This is like when, it ta- when you need shelter and, and food, like some things change, right? Like your priorities change. You're like, all right, I'll throw that racist shit out the door. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, all I have to do is stop being racist, and I can and I can eat and sleep here, or or this guy's going to be in this. I mean, it's just it's a um, in in the most crude sense. And I know this is going to offend some people, but to be racist or prejudiced, it's it's a luxury. It's a luxury of our times. Like if we were all fucking running from dinosaurs with spears, we'd all be huddled up in the same cave together, trying to figure out how we're going to take the T Rex down and where we're going to store the meat. Absolutely. Right? So, so I I have. Um, Go on, sorry. Yeah. I have a, a thought ahead, on that. Um, luxury is a community thing in the sense also that uh, here in prison, you don't get to choose who you're friends with necessarily. And so, like, John and I, we think oppositely half the time. And uh, what's really cool about that is in the real world, it tends to divide people. And, like, somebody splits off to do their own gym. Uh, here, we have no choice. We have to work together. No matter how bad things ever get, um, this is always going to be my best friend. So is he. And so are the guys that are doing this with us. And so it's really cool because we can monopolize on that uh, and use that to our advantage to bring other people that aren't like us around. Uh, and then you can use that for rehabilitative purposes. And Right. Capitalize on your differences as opposed to use them to fight each other. Yeah. We like to use the language of the gym as we call it the forge, but we also, you see that forge when, when you go in there, I mean, obviously you got to become, you need the heat to make something valuable and that heat busts something down into its primal state, you know, and in that primal state, I I like your language because we just use the same, we use the same thing in that primal state, all those luxuries fade away. You know, you're just trying to find oxygen. Where's the water? Oxygen, you know, yes. water and oxygen. That's all I need. And then, they, you know, the other guys need water and oxygen, too. You know, and that's all they care about, too. And then all of a sudden, they're caring about each other in that shared suffering, and, you know, in that pile of sweat and blood. <laughs> yeah, you only, you're only going to fight over cups when you have 100 cups. If you all have one cup, you guys are just like, we just need to yeah. fill it with water. Yeah. Um, you guys, there's this book. It's called The Tao yeah. Te Ching. And um, it's written by – there's a Stephen Mitchell translation, and I think you guys would be it's, – it's you guys, man. It's, it's – the, there's, there's a saying in there, stop thinking and all your problems will end. And I, and I had found that book before I found CrossFit, but I remember one time doing 100 burpees for time, and I'm like, holy shit, this is cheating. This is cheating meditation. This thing just shuts the brain right down because you're just trying to survive. 
Um, uh, and, and then, so um, how does Taylor fit in? Is he the third wheel? Did you guys meet him at Lyman? Like, what, what, like what's he doing? You felt bad for him, so you just, just like, throw him on the, give him some screen time. What's, what's his? Uh, where is he? I've, where is he fit in? So when we got, when we were slated to move over, uh, Taylor was already at Lyman for a few months and hanging out. And Taylor has a unique role in the startup and founding of Redemption Road 999 in Fremont Correctional Facility. Our friend uh, Trevor Jones, who we spoke about, who is, is another one of our really good friends, he's a current level two instructor, he got moved to Fremont through a, a program for juvenile lifers. And in that move, um, you know, anytime one of our core dudes shoots out somewhere, we're looking at expanding our program, right? Now we have somebody there who knows knows what this is and how to implement it. and so. Um, he teamed up with Taylor, who was very active in the powerlifting program there. And they already had a, a CrossFit-style program currently there that was not RF2. So with the addition of Trevor and Taylor putting their heads together, it was a really easy rollover into um, a, a new Redemption Road affiliate. And then um, I'll let Taylor pick his story up there. Yeah. Can I see your water? Yeah. Everybody needs water. We just had a competition yesterday and I was yelling for 72 hours yeah. <laughs> for like three days. Um, so Fremont was interesting. I started my time at 19 here in Sterling and, uh, and Sterling was vicious, uh, especially back then. Um, it was all politics and gang life and I came, I came from the gang life and I, I left the gang life because I realized Taylor, can you come? Is there any way you could come closer? Sorry, just so we. I just want to make sure we get the audio and see your face a little bit better. But audio. Perfect. Whatever. No, so uh, Sterling was a little bit different um, uh, than where we are now. It was uh, a lot of politics, and I came from a gang life. And when I was really young and um, easily influenced, um, that that seemed really popular. Right? That seemed like a good idea. I was looking for some kind of community. I was looking for some kind of structure. I was looking for some kind of purpose, right? And so that was the only thing that prison had to offer me with those three things at the time. I realized that all that is is crap. It was a facade, right? So I left that. When I went to Fremont, um, we were doing CrossFit. We called it CrossFit. We didn't know what CrossFit was because we didn't have an example. We were doing the workouts without the community and it didn't work. There was no, it wasn't thriving. We weren't doing good. That's why I eventually broke off into powerlifting because I was finding something different there. And um, that was more of my style of workout. And it was more of a family. When Trevor Jones came to Fremont, he came with, he said, I'm coming with Redemption Road CrossFit. And I was like, okay, well, we did CrossFit here. What's the difference between Redemption Road CrossFit and what we were doing? Because we were doing the same kind of stuff. He's like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're training. Look at this. There's accountability. There's community. There's mentorship, right? You add these things in this environment, this place that those kids that are 19 years old looking for structure, looking for community, looking for something to have a passion about or some kind of purpose. That right there is exactly what all these kids are looking for. But man, when you put the right things behind it, when you have a foundation that's solid upon principles, upon 
upon things that never change, like being loyal, being just being a better person, right? I have these guys. These guys right here are 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 those those examples, those giants that I stand on the shoulders of, right? The better people that I want to be, because I took a deal, right? Just like Aaron said, he wouldn't have done it if he had that opportunity, right? Well, guess what? I did have that opportunity, and I took the deal, but. I'd have taken the deal yeah. too. Sorry. It's a big time. It's a big thing, right? But when you see somebody and you're like, man, I know what he went through. I know what that took to not have to do that. You're like, I'm going to follow you. What are we doing? Are you going into the fire? I'm going to follow you into the fire too. So when you bring those things yeah, to redemption, right? Sure. And I figured out it was more than CrossFit. It was a tightly knit community. I found out what real CrossFit was. We didn't have an example to follow. And so that's what Trevor Jones showed us at Fremont. It's uh, it's contagious, absolutely. You see that, you feel it, you want it, right? You got all these knuckleheads in prison that are passionate about doing the wrong thing. But man, when you get those knuckleheads who who dive headfirst into the right thing, mm -hmm. they are the best people to have behind you that will eventually be in front of you and the people carrying the flag for you. And those are the guys we're looking for. And eventually that's what these guys did with me. They gave me the flag. They were like, "Carry that torch, man. We need you at Fremont to take on it." Yeah. No, I just want to. I want to follow up with that because through through some events, he ended up in Lyman with us, and um, right, a couple months before we moved over, so we got to get to know Trailer or Trailer <laughs> <laughs> Taylor and Trevor. Through Trevor, we got to get to know Taylor. I was getting letters actually about him before he arrived, and like, "Hey, he's coming your way." Um, and so, yeah, they um, said we were twins, but I was just born in a smaller tent. <laughs> yeah. They cut off my pinky yeah. toe and grew him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True story. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but he arrived and, and he, he's everything that, you know, that, that was, was said about him and, and more. So when the opportunity came for us to leave, um, because of some of the relationships we had and him being, um, actually eligible to be at a minimum restricted facility. Taylor expressed, hey man, I wanna be where you guys are at. How can I do that? And so we asked um, some of the staff and, and um, that got, you know, a couple of phone calls were made and a week after we arrived here, he showed up, you know? So it was really cool. And so he's been uh, answering that call ever since. Um, Cause if you're building something, right? If you're not building for the next generation, um, um, you're not building something that lasts and he's a perfect example of what this program looks like the, the next generation of the program so so you guys are in Sterling now and you came from Lyman yeah. correct yeah, all three of that us. correct and, and, do, um, and how long have you been in Sterling since what was it January 2000 2000 January of when and um, and who took over the CrossFit program yeah, there when so, you guys left? Uh, what we do. And we'll, and sorry, and let me follow it up with this too, and then you can answer both. And, and are you guys going to go back? Yeah. I, by the way, these are all great questions. Um, thank you. Thank you. I, I pride myself on being the absolute. You're, you're not. You guys got the best <laughs> in the game. Can I jump in real quick? I I'm going to switch over to my phone. I got to drive to work. So don't forget to mute your mic. <laughs> oh no, that would be some good sound effects. Gotcha. You see yeah. Taylor and Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so I, I want to hit on a core principle that uh, I think that we're kind of dancing around here, which ties in the questions okay. that you just asked, as well as the previous question. Um, what we do and what I did at the very start, um, I, I had a cool idea, but what we do is not possible without a really amazing team of just incredible people because it is very hard to start something like this in prison. It's why we're the only one. And so what I did was I found guys like John and Trevor and a core group of guys at that time who were the most incredible people I had ever met in my life. This is the guy that changed me. And when I was not on the right path, just getting around him put me on the right path. Just watching him, like Taylor said, just watching him live. And so there was a couple of guys like that. And don't, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of guys like that in prison. Um, these were the most significant ones to me that were also the fittest guys that I knew. John is the strongest dude I know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have a bigger back squat and deadlift than Matt. Sorry, John. <laughs> is that yeah. true? So that is true. better at everything else. And it is true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can we get that one that thing is, yeah. Just to keep they do know Matt Fraser, so don't think that that was a joke. We'll get to that. These guys uh, have a regular interaction with the kids. No, that's Go cool. ahead. So, that's sorry, Brandon. Okay, so the strongest guy you know and the circle of people it takes to get yeah, this off the ground. Yeah, and so what, what we do, uh, like our biggest role in here and as a program, Redemption Road, what Taylor talked about, what's different than, than CrossFit in general, is that we, we just identified a process to find extraordinary men and women and give them a leadership role um, that they earn, that they achieve. These are people that have done, um, I think all of our core members, uh, if we call them that, all of our coaches have done five to 10 to 20 years in prison. Uh, one of our guys right now, he's done, what's Chris done, 25? Chris is rounding to 30, yeah, he's, he's more than 25. 28, 28 yeah. years, that's right. That's a lot. So, so what we do is we, we find people that have been consistent and excellent. And we give them every tool that we can out of our experience. And with all the training from CrossFit and all the positivity and support from our volunteers like Sophia and Amy and Peter and Aaron and, and a whole board of them. And those individuals um, are very capable. And when we establish uh, the CrossFit program somewhere, our immediate goal is world-changing leaders creating world-changing leaders. Disciples making disciples. However you label it, our idea is to take those people that are so powerful by their presence alone that they change people and give them those tools. And then once they're good, we try to move on and find that again somewhere else um, so that they're all still pushing that same purpose. And then we have that confidence that at all four of our current affiliate facilities, that is the same torch, the same banner that Taylor was talking about is being flown there. And with the three facilities that we're currently expanding to, those teams are also building that. And so it's all based out of barbells, but the shadows of that behind that are always the same. It's the same. Um, I, I really liked your idea of taking John's uh, 
character and putting that in a package for somebody to look at, it's the same idea that we take leaders and give them the package and say, um, you have it, you have all of it. I just want to exploit that and make more awesome opportunities for people to do that themselves also. Because when we're not we want to fill your amazing vessel yeah. with a little bit of CrossFit knowledge. We know we know you're contagious already. We want to give you a little, something else to another flag to carry. That's right. This and one thing that us. we're not about is just saying, "Hey, you did a workout, therefore you're redeemed," uh, or "Hey, you did a couple of years in prison," or "Hey, you beat Halo. You're you're a great person now." Um, we are very demanding on what we are looking for from people. Because uh, we expect them to stop doing drugs. We expect them to stop tattooing or fighting or hating people or hating themselves. Um, and so uh, sometimes those are challenges for people. But a lot of times people just have never seen what that looks like in another way. And so they get around a guy like him and they say, wow, you know what? I never had a brother like that that said I shouldn't treat a woman like that or that I shouldn't treat. Um, somebody else's possessions like this because everybody in my life was saying the opposite and so now they're rethinking everything and then we throw them out a barbell and say think of this while you're uh, in your primal state of failure <laughs> and then once you're used to failure then it's all uphill yeah I, I think uh, well, what I love about the CrossFit gym is it's hard to find and identify where somebody can find wins in life and to develop a mindset of adapt and overcome that 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 builds that character trait. And in, in our CrossFit gym, over that barbell, every day you have an opportunity to walk away with a personal win in some way. And in that personal win, you know, when the, when you meet the challenges of life, they weren't as hard as Fran at 6 a.m. Guaranteed. For most things right and, and the things that are hard or harder than what you face in the gym at least you're primed with um not not the panic response to the traumas that that you will inevitably face through a tragedy or, or whatever um and so we we love watching guys and gals break through and, and develop that mindset of, okay well what's my next win what do I need to stack on top of this last accomplishment so I can reach my my goals and start thinking about goals? And um, that's one of the things that, that we love about, about the environment in the gym is because it translates so easily to the rest of life and why it's so effective and, and why Redemption Road is more than a name. You know, and, and it's already we saw it already happening or are happening organically in the gym. We just put a label on what was what's happening all across the world in CrossFit gyms. And it's just a little bit more noticeable in here because our 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 uh, our clients have have started in a really low place in life. You know, so so the change it tends to catch more eyes and be a little bit more dramatic. Are you concerned that your warden will leave and that you guys, the next warden won't? That's an everyday concern with everything we do in here. Absolutely. And so one, one cool thing about warden Jeff Long. Hey, let me say one thing real quick. And, and we've seen that happen, not in prisons, but in the military. We've seen units flourishing doing CrossFit. And, and the funny part is, is then they shut, they think they're shutting it down, but you can't. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. an echo. You guys hear that? 
Okay. So, um, so there, there were there were units in the military that basically they shut down CrossFit. And the funny part is, is it's really hard to shut down CrossFit because once someone has it, they keep doing it. But um, but but politics get in the way, and we've seen just whole whole amazing CrossFit gyms that we know are changing people's lives for the significant better, life saving, right? And uh, we've seen them get shut down. Yeah, yeah, it's real tough when you have um, other people and in absolute control over your every situation and um it just takes us grinding day in and day out um it's one of the reasons why we create actively and on purpose try to create the biggest footprint possible so that so many people have seen what we do and we have a saying we've seen too much to do anything else we want we want to do that we want you know visibility is everything trust is built on it right visible consistency over time and well doing builds trust but that visibility part is crucial. If nobody sees it, it's as if, you know, it knows if a tree makes a sound when it falls in the wood right? <laughs> type of thing. And so, yeah, that, that's one of the biggest missions on, on our side is to create such a wave that it's almost impossible to come back from um, if we have a change in power. But nothing is certain. Uh, Warden Jeff Long, he says he wants to be here until, because that was a concern of, of that's a real life situation for him and I. The reason we're here is on a on a um, on a high level severe variance, and that, that means that our, our custody level was overridden based on our our earned trust in the system and good track record to bring us here to start a program like this. But, is that uh, unprecedented, by the way? Yes, that, that never happens. I'm the only person in the Colorado system with my current sentence, exact sentence that I have, um, that's in a medium restricted facility. Yes. Minimum. And, and, and what about using prisoners to um, to propagate a positive program? Have you ever heard of that being used done before? We've seen, it, we've seen it being done the wrong way. Absolutely. So so the, the, the thing with that is you have to live it. Inside here, you don't get a break. 24-7, the guys that you are preaching to, they live with you. They use the same bathroom as you. They brush your teeth next to you in the morning. So they see you at your very best and possibly at your very worst. So if you build a team or you have a program trying to find individuals preaching the right thing, but yet behind closed doors and those closed doors aren't private, mm -hmm. they're public. Wow. It's different. I... So the team is everything. We've seen programs that have awesome messages, but yet the people doing the program, the team that they have, is, is the ones that oh, when, that, when the doors close and those masks that they wear come off and get hung on their coat rack, it's it's clear that that message has no validity. That's a really powerful thing you said. Unfortunately, the first thing I thought of was the Catholic Church, but um, as an as an example where it went sideways, I didn't really want to use it, but I, but but I but I I get what you're saying. If you, like. If you're going to try to walk the walk, like like I can like I can go out and tell everyone, hey, don't smoke cigarettes, don't smoke cigarettes, and then when I come home at night, I can light up a cigarette and be like, well, I know they're bad because I smoke, and so I'm not being a hypocrite. But you can't do that. What you're saying is you're you have wow. And now I get the um, back to what Brandon was saying, why it's so important to find the people, the apostles, the correct apostles. Yeah, when you light up that cigarette, you've done more damage than if you would have said nothing at all. 
Brandon, did you say your dad's a cop? That's right. He's a retired uh, Denver police officer. Do you have any kids? I do not. I, I have I have three boys, and uh, it, it, it's a man. Your dad, but but did you talk to him a lot? Yeah, we're pretty close, and in fact, uh, CrossFit has brought us much closer together. Yeah. I can't really talk about it. I, w- I want to talk about it, but it's too much for me. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I got overwhelmed. I started thinking of my son's in prison, and I can't really can't do that. Yeah, you know, uh, in prison, you don't have uh, a, you don't have as much um, connection with your family as you would out there, obviously. Right. Um, but especially when you're serving a lot of time in prison, um, ultimately, uh People like us have served maybe half of our life in here or more than half of our life in here. And so the idea of family becomes kind of a different thing. Um, okay. But at the same time, uh, you try to fight for connectivity with your family out there. Um, but it's hard and it's, it's been very much harder with COVID. Uh, but even so, um, it's a very different world. Um, it's, it's, I don't want to, it's almost like a different country, but it's more than that because, um, it's not, it's, it's hard to explain. Uh, but my, I guess my biggest point here is that our life in here really affects our families too. And so when there's one person in prison, that's three, four, maybe 10 people that are severely affected by that as well. And um, you know, you also have victims that are affected. Um, and so it's, it's a complicated dynamic. Uh, one of the things that we try to do with this program is to repair and rebuild and restore family dynamics through CrossFit with, uh, specifically with the prison population. Um, just to give one short example, uh, we had one of our first CrossFit Level 1 trainers. He got out of prison. Um, but while he was here, uh, he did the CrossFit Open, and he pulled me aside one day, and he was in tears because he just talked to his grandfather for the first time in 10 years. And the reason that they talked was they both found out that they were doing the CrossFit Open. Oh, And crazy. it's incredible because... Uh, that happens on a really interesting level because of everybody's separation from their family because of prison. Um, you know, people, people have, I, I don't know what people's idea of prison is, but the hardest thing about prison is at the end of the day, no matter what access you have, what barbells you have, uh, you go back to a cell and you lock the door and it's you or it's you and a cellmate. And, you don't get to spend time with who you want to. You don't get to spend time with your family. You may, may never see them again. And you have to live with that every day. Um, with this program, when we can bring families together, not just during somebody's incarceration, but also after. If somebody gets released from prison, uh, maybe people don't have family. And so Aaron and Sophia and Amy and Peter and our volunteers, they kind of become their their 
their mentors and their family. And so when somebody's only experience in that in the real world is terrible uh, and they don't know where to go, they don't have anywhere to go. People get released homeless all the time, every single day. And so when we can connect them with somebody like Aaron, who's a Denver police officer and Aaron meets them at the door and says, come on, let's go work out. Let's find you a gym. Um, that person now has something that they maybe never had before in a family. Wow. And, and that's, that's a really, uh, a, a huge aspect of this program too. Do, going back to your warden real quick, does your warden do CrossFit? <laughs> no, but he sure, sure gets excited about it. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. That's a trip that he doesn't do CrossFit and he's bought in good on him. He must be a really, really good dude. Uh, they, there isn't. No way to say it better, I guess. I mean, we can't reach for we, we reach for words to describe his level of buy in when he sees something that's positive, not just I mean, he's progressive, but not for progressive sake. If, if it doesn't touch lives and change hearts, um, he, he doesn't want anything to do with it. And he's constantly looking for new ideas and how to implement those concepts to to the population. Um, he's very passionate and, and um, it's evident through the kind of change and the way he humanizes the prison situation at his facility. Um, do you guys have, what kind of news do you guys have access to? Do you guys have access to everything? Like, can you see Facebook, Instagram, Fox News, well, we have CNN? Fox News and CNN and local channels. Yeah, on television. Okay. TV, on TV. TV. Yeah, we have no internet access. Um, oh, you have no internet access. So you guys can't go to the CDC website? Mm -hmm. we, we cannot. So you couldn't read any? Could you read scientific papers on um, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19? Could you could you get access to those? The, the thing that we can do is we can request information uh, from like the library um, or uh, in the programs department. Um, programs uh, they like staff members they can look stuff up. Well, you can um, also have your family look anything up and print it out on a page or send it through a, a JPEG letter, things like that. Um, so, so I just wonder, cause I wonder what the world looks like to you guys from the inside, like looking, looking, looking from the inside to the outside world right now. Like what's it look like? Like with just, just all the, the politics and the, um, and the, the so-called pandemic and the response to it and all that yeah, stuff. Brighter than it has. Like, our, pardon me? Brighter than it has been. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, juxtaposed against last year, but at the same time, it's hard to make a value judgment on something that I'm uh, 15 and a half years detached from. Because yeah. uh, I, I, I remember the world way different. There was no smartphones when I got locked up. It wasn't a thing that came right. out when I was in county jail. And um, it doesn't mean I'm not up to date on, on what that is or, or, uh, or, or whatever, but it's, it's hard to say what's good or bad because the context changed. Right about right. about it. Um, I do know my gut reactions, but as far as um, you know, some some of the the law changes in in different things. Um, but I, know, I I mainly ask because there's that there's such a control over information in the outside world now that I was wondering if it, it must be even more intense in the inside because because it is really. There's there's definitely a control of information flow that, that I've never seen before. There's also more information than there's ever been before too. So we're kind of spoiled, 
But um, yeah, but it's interesting. So I was just wondering how it was in there. Like, are you guys scared of getting COVID and dying from COVID nineteen, or are you guys like, yeah, no, we're no, I, it might be wrong. crazy What's to say, but I don't know if we can get it. Yeah, we've been around everybody uh, that has it. Man, we yeah, we've been moved like like six times in the last year and a half, um, close to it. And every every place that we've been moved, um, we just recently got vaccinated. Um, within the last two months, we got vaccinated. But all that time prior, um, while it was COVID cases were exploding in this place, there seemed like they exploded in every hallway we went. We've never tested positive for COVID, and um, our, our we watched whole hallways that we lived in um, get moved out to isolation units. Um, and so, um, are there obese people in jail? Yeah, yeah, there are absolutely elderly, obese, um, diabetic, all the all the ailments that you can knock off a list we have those here and we work with a lot of guys in our gym that have diabetes that have that no uh, like no mobility basically in their their lower extremities things like that and boy they love it because they see that with a little bit of care and work that sadly sometimes i want to say sometimes but for the most part for sure our medical facilities do not even offer um, they Sounds offer none right. of those and, and having a CrossFit gym in here, it's cool for the guys that are just me heads or the guys that are dedicated and, and, and fire breathers themselves, but also for the ones who are just like, I want to be able to get up in the morning and feel better than I did yesterday. Those are the guys that were like, come here. We have you. You got our full attention. You got our one-on-one -on -one support and they've never seen anything like that. And most of them have um, been in prison for decades, and that's where they've caught the diabetes or the ailments that they have because they've been they've been in this in this box with cement walls, and the only thing to pacify them is a television with 15 channels, and that that obviously leads to sedentary lifestyles and and bad diet choices and all the things. That you sound like Greg Glassman. <laughs> you sound like Greg Glassman. Taylor. Well, we've you know devoured his stuff yeah. so i love yeah we, we read books we like sweat it out style. Yeah. he's allergic to writing but not reading man <laughs> these guys that we're I'm, I'm sitting next to are they're some of the brightest minds that that i've known in my life so i try to soak it all up I, I don't say this loosely. If you guys are interested in speaking with him, um, I can definitely arrange that for you guys to speak to him. So if you guys ever want to pick his brain, um, he is probably one of the most brilliant human beings. Uh, he, his brain is a trip. His that would be great. Is, yeah, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. crazy. And, I, and, and, and on a side note, uh, and I'm no doctor, but... I spend a lot of time researching SARS-CoV-2 and looking at pictures of people who died, and I've never seen anyone who looks like you guys who's died from it. Not one. And I spend a lot of time. So, and by look like you, I mean chiseled faces, pecs sticking out, collarbones, and trap shells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of, um, one of the uh, topics that I think we're brushing up against is prison diet. Um, yeah. And Taylor, uh, he's hitting on that really well. Um, in prison, you have the standard diet that the state offers you. Uh, in an attempt to make it as uh, affordable to the taxpayer as possible, 
they have chosen to make the diet very largely consist of spaghetti and bread. <laughs> well, beans. And beans. Um, and so... Like what they feed our kids at school. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. That's all I know is high school meals and prison meals. Yep. Yeah, very. <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> and Lunchables. Yeah, yeah Lunchables. <laughs> None of which are great for you. Uh, yeah. So what happens is we get these guys that have ate nothing but ramen noodles, honey buns, and carbs. Empty carbs. And they come in and they say, I have 16 health ailments and I'm dying. And I don't know what to do because everybody says there's no answer. Go lay back in your bed. And is that the only answer? And what we have done is we have created kind of a, a, a side uh, option to the CrossFit stuff that we're doing, um, which by the way, we're very, very, very much into CrossFit. We believe it is it is the answer and that gymnastics, rehabilitation, it's all CrossFit. It's just how you apply it to specific populations. It's scaling. And so we take guys that have those health ailments. Uh, we have a guy right now, he's 300-something pounds. Uh, he was 400-something pounds. And uh, they say, man, I, I can't even walk. Uh, and... We, we have literally taken multiple people that were in a wheelchair that had terrible diabetes, that had terrible blood ailments and uh, other health concerns that medical was saying, this is not good, and put them through simple CrossFit, um, applied very, very particularly. Uh, we are level two trainers. Um, and Taylor, Taylor hasn't taken his level one, but knows all the stuff that there is to know. And uh, we take these guys through this and we change their diet, we change their workout, their lifestyle, and their, their self-perception. And a lot of times in prison, one of the biggest things is people are uh, coming into the CrossFit gym and they're not quite sure where they fit in in life. And so we can take them and we can just sit down with them and show them that we care and listen to them. and they start to bear those weaknesses and whether it's physical or whether it's personal. And, um, so far, uh, of things that we can fix, we've had a hundred percent success rate on rehabilitation and getting people to lose a lot of weight. And what's really cool is that every facility that we do this at, these guys end up they're They're very, uh, um, constant with medical and in, in the doctor's office, you would say. And so they start coming back and the doctors are saying, hey, your blood levels are looking better than I've ever seen them. Your diabetes are coming, uh, they're lowering. Um, all Everything on paper is looking better. What are you doing? And they say CrossFit. And this has happened so many times that the leading medical uh, staff at Lyman started doing the CrossFit program. Yeah, they got so interested huh. in it. I started programming for both of our, both of the the providers there. They were like, "Well, what, what, we want to know more about this." Um, Brandon wrote up a, a an awesome little paper handout uh, for everybody um, that was interested on on that track. You know, an alternative to um, prescriptions or whatever. Um, he wrote up a CrossFit prescription, basically, and um, so. Um, I was in there on, on a checkup and uh, struck up a conversation, and both of them um, were two of my main uh, staff clients for programming. Um, it, so, yeah, it's, 
I want to talk about uh, the our, our friend who walked in who was, you know, tipping the scales on 300 or 400 pounds a little bit. Um, give you a little bit of backstory on that because, I mean, uh, personal stories trump everything, right? It, it touches these concepts to ground. And he walked in and goes, man, I everybody told me that this wasn't for me. Um you know, and I was on the on the knife's edge, you know, back and forth on whether to come over here because I can't do that. You know, talking about muscle ups or whatever. And um, everybody said, ah, those guys, are, they, they won't have nothing for you. And he's like, but I said, forget it. I, I'm coming anyway. What can you do for me? I want to lose 100 pounds. I was uh, uh, about four weeks ago. He's lost 17 pounds so far in, in four weeks. He's, he said he says his knees feel better, and, and and it's amazing. Every time we see him, when we walk across the yard, we have to walk across two giant yards to get to our gym. Our gym's on the other side of the facility from where we're at, on this side, and uh, it takes us about a half hour to make that walk because guys like wow. like him stop us to say, "Oh my gosh, my I didn't know wow. that I could feel this good. I didn't know I could come back from this." And so I just wanted to highlight that a little bit. Um, how, how do you change his diet? What do you do if, if all they're feeding you is crap? How, like, good what question. Do you do? This guy and and Damien, um, the the co-founder of the program, um, they they took um, we call it the the prisoner's CrossFit diet. And they took what's available uh, for canteen items and what what our is offered on our menus put them together very similar to zone blocking um, and how to how to calculate that with with measurements that the guys would understand like there's a certain black scoop that comes in a, um, a carbohydrate um, meal replacer that they sell on canteen that you could use as a measurement for for different items and and made meal plans based on that so the canteen is where you have right. to pay for it and where do you get money for that? Go ahead. Well, yeah, uh, you got family um, that support you. Uh, so, some people do, some people don't. Um, and then uh, most people in prison, at least in Colorado, make about six eighty cents a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, minus restitution. Yeah, minus twenty percent usually. And so, uh, honestly, it's you can't support yourself. Uh, you just can't. There are certain industries jobs that you can have um, and that they're very limited um, and very specific. But uh, for the average guy, you're working with uh, after restitution, 60 cents a day. Um, so unless you have something. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's part time, too, that makes about uh, was 30 cents. Yeah. Yeah. Pennies. Mm -hmm. Um, what, um, what can people on the out, on the outside do to help your program? That's a great question. That's a good question. Uh, we have, it just depends on, on what, um, who we're talking about on the outside. You know, we have, um, obviously word of mouth and, um, increasing the visibility of, uh, basically dragging the spotlight over something positive that's happening in a dark place. That, that, that that's the greatest mm. asset that the public can bring. Um, but, um, within that, uh, we, we just held the competition in Denver last Saturday 
which raised, I'm still waiting to hear how much money we raised, but it was specifically to raise money for barbells, bumper plates, um, CrossFit equipment for our affiliate in Arkansas Valley. They didn't have um, a lot of equipment, so um, we wanted to support um, our affiliate with the greatest need so that they can reach more guys through this medium that we've known to affect this change. And um, we had, uh, Sophia, why don't you tell us how many people showed up to that event and, and uh, what some uh, preliminary preliminary numbers are. And is this an event that's outside the walls of the prison? Uh, was supposed to be, but go ahead. Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. So we initially intended on the event being held at the Denver Police Academy. Um, so we wanted it to be outside of prison walls. Um, unfortunately, some of the logistical stuff for that did not work out. Um, so we ended up having it at Denver Women's Correctional Facility, um, and we had 22 teams um, who participated um, as competitors. So that was some of the teams were just community members, and then um, I think we had 14 um, insiders, right, guys? I think it was more than that, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was 14 athletes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so, so we had. Um, our insider athletes paired with a community member for 17 of the teams. Um, and some of them had met before, but most of them had not. Um, and then we also had a ton of um, family members, um, just community members who were volunteering, and then all of us on the board who came and were kind of coordinators and judges. Um, and then obviously tons of correctional staff. Each of our facilities sent staff with their um, participants and then we had the staff from the actual facility that we were at and i think that aaron mentioned the donations look we're looking at the, uh, around ten thousand dollars it's incredible right one thing i want to highlight is all the volunteers that that came as athletes um it was um it was two hundred dollar buy-in for the comp and so these amazing people um comp the hundred dollars that we didn't have to um, so they, they individually, they paid a hundred dollars or, or for us. So $200 total as one, one participant. And, um, as well as some of them donated more, I, I'm aware that my partner donated a significant amount more to the, to the cause. And so, yeah, these are just amazing community people, uh, community members that, um, they recognize a good thing for what it is and, uh, are willing to put their money where their mouth is on, on creating real change. Another option uh, that people have, uh, especially with COVID parameters releasing a little bit, uh, is proximity and presence. Um, and the board members here that are on this uh, call with us, um, I use them as an example. They come in and they work out with us. Um, Sophia, she comes in and she makes us all look slow. And Peter and Amy come in and they, they work out side by side with us. And that changes a person's heart in when you're an inmate. Um, to know that Peter's out there and that he cares about me. Uh, and that if I ever got out of prison, Peter would probably invite me to a barbecue at his house. Um, that really affects me in a, in, in a huge way. It affects every single decision that I make. Um, and for a guy in our prison, uh, in our program, that's uh, pretty new to all this, uh, that can really affect his rehabilitation. 
uh, a lot of our guys have addictions. And so when they, when they encounter that struggle between do I use or do I not use somebody like these volunteers that we have, uh, is a factor. It's a large factor. There's an accountability. There's an accountability factor. Absolutely. You want to be account. Right. Just like I want to be accountable to my wife, my friends, on different levels. Okay, this guy's making the effort to come in and work out with me. The least I could do is not yeah. be a piece of shit. So he keeps coming and yeah. seeing me and yeah. like. Yeah, and, get and it, not man. only that, it's human human relations and. Uh, so if if you're if you're not doing the right thing, you can. Uh, how do I explain it? You kind of go to jail within prison. Um, they take you from where you're at and they can put you into a segregated place uh, where it's just you. And so for people that are um, still doing the wrong thing, um, they can really lose the program. Um, and so if they are getting high or whatever, um, they might get in trouble and be removed from the program and then they don't get to see Peter or Sophia or Amy again. And so that's a real factor when they say, man, I, not just am I accountable to them, but I may never get to see that friend of mine again. And we're all accustomed with loss already. So it's that much more impactful. Absolutely. And, uh, Another answer to one of your questions that kind of piggybacks on his presence is uh, getting to know us. Like, so just through video calls, like one of the first things was like Matt Frazier was like, he wasn't as hesitant as I thought he would be. But what you, uh, Wait, so before you tell me about Matt Taylor, tell me how did you guys get hooked up oh, with this Matt? Is good, this is a good one. Okay, yeah. so we got a guy who got out of prison who was one of our coaches, uh, a coach candidate. We have different tiers of that's another story um but he was an awesome friend first and foremost just a great guy to be around he came to prison at a young age he was still young he did do a lot of time but he did do enough time around these guys right here and that rubbed off immediately he didn't have to go through all the crap you know at least minimal crap he went through and uh, he ended up getting out of prison um very recently i think in february and he got out as uh, somebody that was on fire. He got out still burning, still smoking on the way out. And he was like looking for ways to help us, but he didn't really need to look too far because he knows our position. He's lived next to us. He's brushed his teeth next to us in the morning. Like I said, that proximity around our team and stuff like that. So he took the initiative to reach out. Uh, he just DM'd uh, Matt Frazier on Instagram and was like, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> we're RF2. And Matt was cool enough to be like, like his response, was, my language, but he was like, man, that sounds fucking awesome, right? Mm -hmm. He says that was his first response. And so it just went from there. And and then Matt was like, cool, asking more questions, this and that. And TJ's number one thing, the thing that we, that, that my answer to you is on this question is how do I help? And he's like, schedule a video call with these guys. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to know us, things will pop off, ideas will pop off. We know how to collaborate with each other. We know who you are, you know who we are, just a little bit. And that leads to so many more answers to that question, how can you or anybody on the street help us? And it's very specific to who you are. So those answers will come with just that proximity, whether it's a Zoom conference or whether it's brand. So you guys zoomed with with Matt or, or whatever so we did a, did a video call with. We him. had an initial one, and uh, 
and it was good. Just uh, we we ran down. He asked us questions about who we are and um, you know what our plans are, what we're presently doing, what our plans for the future are, and and we we spoke to those questions and um, and. To our surprise, it, it, it's funny because we, we don't think of what we do as special. We know it is, but we don't we don't think of it just because you you know you do it every day and it's just what you do when you get up if that's the thing you're doing. And um, yeah, we were shocked at his response in a way because he, he was just like, "Wow, I, I'm I'm floored." Um, he's like, "I talk to a lot of people," he said, "and with a lot of ideas, but you guys have your stuff together." And um, how can I help? <laughs> and and when when a guy like him we all look up to and respect says how can i help tell me how i fit into what you're doing it's very humbling and so we we use that as an occasion to invite him to our competition uh that was it was coming up because uh there's nothing like seeing what we do you can hear about it we can talk about it here but savon there's no way you can really understand what we do until you come and see so we're inviting you right now (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) haha thank you I'm going to tell you one thing. I am so attached to my – so many people have been asking me to come to the CrossFit Games. I'm so attached to my little boys. They'd have to bring the prison to me. I am so selfish with every second. I have a two four-year-old and a six-year-old, and it would take the world to – that's why I do this podcast from sitting behind this desk. Uh, that, that's a greater priority. <laughs> in my house. But if I'm – but if I'm ever in Colorado, I would love to do that. And maybe if you guys, maybe as I stay in touch with Peter, if I ever hear about a competition, the weird thing is, is I, I have, I have a podcast with Matt and, um, we've done 21 episodes and we've built a, a bit of a friendship over the last four or five years. I was on the media team for CrossFit and he was obviously one of the athletes. And so what a small world this community is then to, for me to then also meet you guys. I had no idea until Peter just kind of slid it into the conversation I had with him yesterday. Um, There's one observation I want to make before I leave and one more question I want to ask you three. And and I'll let you answer the question first. Especially speaking to men, I have my own own thoughts that if you see men who are 16 to 35 years old who don't have direction or with idle hands in a civilization, you know that civilization has a lot of problems. Because basically, no matter how good of a person you are, you leave 10, 16-year-old boys on the corner too long, they're going to start yeah, throwing rocks, rock-throwing competition. I'll hit that. Yeah, you just can't help it. You, and next thing you know, someone's like, I bet you I could hit that moving car. I bet you I could hit that bird. I bet you I could hit that old lady. And no one's thinking of any consequences, nothing. You're just a 16-year-old boy, and there's a section of your life that's just like that. Do you? What advice, and I'd like to hear from each of you, do you have for people who are on the – outside and who aren't having to deal with the consequences in, in, in the in the path you guys ended up on um, number one is to those who are in position that should be looked up to as role models you know fathers big brothers those who are in the positions of authority um, it's never okay to do the to say do what I say don't do what I do uh, never underestimate the power of your actions um, these guys spoke to it and there were also uh, awesome men in my life when I first got locked up that uh, we use the analogy of um, everybody that's messed up is a crooked stick, right? And this is the course of their life doing this. And then when you, it's noticeable when you find somebody that's living a straight path that, you know, yeah, they're making progress and they're not having to navigate a bunch of unnecessary nonsense. And so when you live that straight path, you, you lay a ruler 
next to a bow, it becomes real obvious that this one is crooked and this one's straight. And, and that would be my, my primary advice is be that ruler, that thing by which somebody can measure their life by, by your life. That's a scary thing. That's a scary thing to, to accept that role and say, um, I'm not perfect, but look at my life. I, I'm authentic. What I say and what I do is there's continuity. And, and that should be the norm, not the anomaly. Taylor? I can't follow that. But I will try. You already did the the pec muscles dancing. You already own own that room. Those boys ain't got nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, on a smaller scale, that is obviously the bigger scale. That is the thing that is is most important priority. But I notice a a small thing and a change in my attitude, how I network on a small basis. Go up to somebody that you might not know. Give somebody a good morning, shake their hand, find out. You never know what that leads to. But I've gone through times where I might be a little depressed and I walk through the yard with my blinders up and I don't talk to anybody and that's infectious, Mm. right? But sometimes I don't have that. And I walk through this yard with a big smile on my face and I don't even know the gentleman that's walking by me, but he might be having a bad day. And what he needed me to say was, what's up, man? How you doing? Looking good. Or whatever the case may be. Those little small things, the small gestures, the being a, trying to be a better person, those go a long way and they're infectious, just like the big things. Well, jeez, uh, those are both hard to follow. Um, I think that uh, what, what makes a big difference for me um, is having... Uh, so John approached it from the top down. Uh, I guess I'll approach that from the bottom up, which is get yourself uh, an accountability relationship. Um, if I don't show up to work out today, these guys will be at my door, especially him, um, as soon as he gets back saying, where were you? What's going on already? Um, and that's that's the relationship that John's talking about. Um for me, for, for the other side of that is, um, make sure that you are in that relationship with somebody, make sure that you are expected to be somewhere in a fun way. It doesn't have to be, um, where were you at 10 o'clock, but it's hey, why weren't you at the gym today? Um, I really believe that the answer is get into a CrossFit gym, uh, go start working out, be a part of a team. Um, and secondly, um, considering what matters to you, uh, for somebody that's, um, on the, on the verge of, of ending up in here, um, there's a lot of guys that we run into that are like, oh, I didn't really care. Uh, it's not like I had anything out there. Um, but you do, um, you know, just, um, losing that accountability relationship, losing that family unit uh, out there, uh, could be a really, uh, it's the worst thing in the world, um, you know, and so what matters in your life, make it matter. Because uh, when you've lost that, uh, it really sucks. <laughs> I 
I noticed this right away, and, and I was wondering if it would wane or if it would ebb and flow or, like, what would happen uh, as I talk to you guys more and more. But what's trip is is that you guys are locked up, and you guys um, – if, if I didn't know you were locked up, I wouldn't know. There's no um, – you guys are, like uh, – you guys are like three of the most grown ass, confident, uh, and childs, uh, with no bravado, no fakeness. There's a, a bit of child in all of you. And yet there's, I feel all of your guys is like willpower. And I, I, it's, it's just amazing. You guys hold your head up high and that would be a very, very, that would be the biggest challenging thing for me. If I was in your situation to still present that my voice rise from, from who I am, because I would probably like be in more of a survival mode, right? I mean, just like you've seen the big dog like running around on the street, but it's still got its tails between its legs. It doesn't mean it's not dangerous and won't bite you, but you can tell something's wrong with it. And I don't get any of that from you guys. And it's pretty, it's, uh, and I'm pretty like attuned to that stuff, you know, watching for that stuff so that I don't mirror that in people. Um, but man, you guys are, I really enjoyed speaking to you. Um, you guys feel like you're, whatever you're doing, keep it up. You've, you, you're, you're on the vein. I, I, John, I think John nailed it. That, that straight thing, man, I'm going to use that on my kids now. And I think you straightened me out a little bit too. Cause there are things I do do that, John, like there's things like, you know, my kids will hear me say words and then I, and then I'm absolutely not let them use those words in the house. Yeah. Right. So, and my wife's like, you know, that's not a good. And I'm like, nah, shut the fuck up. They do whatever I say. Actually, I don't say that to my wife, but <laughs> I go, honey. Yes, speak to that a little bit but anyway, um, real quick, um, please, please. Yes, it, yes, yeah, it's a, yeah. Let me reiterate too. I don't speak to her like that because she's stronger than me. She does, and actually, and she really oh, is bro, stronger. Oh, I, 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 I get so. it. If she was in the room, yeah, you wouldn't be saying half that. I get, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And right. so, <clears throat> what I wanted to say is that when, um, when we're talking about that that kind of lifestyle. Um, it, it is, it's hard to accept that, um, how do I, how do we present ourselves as, as humble and confident? And that's a real, a real life, you know, that's usually a dichotomy, not a both and in prison. If you're meek, it's usually what? Say not that again. a both it's usually and. a dichotomy, not a what? Okay. And so walk in the yard, either you're, you're meek and you're humble or you're, you're strong and confident one or the other. You know, and we, we hear it all the time. I didn't know it was a, that you could be a strong, good guy in prison. Either it's you're a strong, bad guy. Like, you, you know, and that's why, you know, the bravado, the, the machismo, whatever you want to call it, is is paramount. Because why? Yeah. And we want that. And we, we fall into those things because of our own fears. When we're scared we we tend to overcompensate in a certain direction right and but if our decisions are are, are based on um you know or somebody realizes that 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 that's possible to be a confident strong good guy that your stuff is character driven not fear driven then it, it, it allows for that and and what we also find is that's contagious you know when you when Savon with your with your kids and you set that bar and you it's amazing how they will not they now I'm sure you've seen this they naturally raise to the level of a bar that you set for them and 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 it happens yes. you know with with you know, any of our bros it's just how we work as humans um, the people around you tends, tend to rise to the, the highest peak that's around them 
And so that's why we find it so important that that we we preach that message in here. Don't don't you know don't quit asking for things, become it. Be that. Because you're infinitely valuable and you have infinite potential. And so so just attack life in, in those parameters, you know, and, and, and it will happen. I appreciate you reiterating when I said you not only said it better, but I but you completely understood what I was saying. And uh, you know, one of the things people have criti criticized me for the way I, I've raised my kids because I set the bar so high for them. And um, but the thing is, is they'll live up to how high you set the bar. So to not set the bar is to disrespect your kids. And it's really, it's, it's. I know it's so hard for parents to get their head wrapped around because they want to nurture and feel sorry for. But like, man, you that that's not. You're not there to be their friend. You're there to set to get make them sure. capable humans. So. Um, it's twelve twenty-five, and this is the longest I've gone in the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, before you pee, so I'm, I'm, I'm already patting myself on the pee, back. Savon, like, yeah, I want to say these are board members that are yeah. present and non-present. These are all non-paid positions. These are all okay, volunteer positions, and the work and the hours that they put in are on their dime and their time, and they they do it for us in here. And um, it, it'd be a crime to end this podcast without recognizing them. And their sweat that they do side by side from a distance, ironically, but very effectively. Thanks. That's great. And John and Taylor and Brandon, uh, Sophia, Amy, Peter, thanks. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, Peter just reached out to me on Instagram. I think we had chatted a few times before. And obviously, um, he's a CrossFitter, <laughs> so I'm a CrossFitter. So, like, yeah. you know, we know. Awesome. All right, guys, I send you my love. Thank you. I'm glad our paths crossed. Thank you for the invaluable experience. Of, yeah, uh, uh, go ahead. We were, you were say just something wondering uh, where we can uh, get this recording or where we can find it. So this, I'll be completely frank with you, this is going to be extremely challenging because there's been a lot of echoes and funny stuff like going on and people in and out of the call. And I'm, and I'm already like, I feel my like butthole puckering at the thought of editing this because it's going to be so choppy. But, but thank you. Um, uh, you're very solution-oriented, John. Been consistent. Um, so I would probably say at least two or three days. Um, I did one with Elijah Muhammad this morning. I'll work on that one first. Yeah. He's a CrossFitter, and then uh, and then I'll start working on um, awesome. this one Thank next. You. But but if all goes well, it could even be tomorrow. I mean, it'll be on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. But if all goes well, it could be like even tonight. But I'm but I'm already terrified. I'm like, yeah, the cool oh, thing about prison is like a few dots. days to us is like an hour out there. We we're we're used to waiting maybe two weeks, three uh, weeks for something that usually just takes uh, about a day. Yeah, that's. Are there any comedians <laughs> in prison? If... <laughs> like 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 a guy who will stand up and do. Oh, a song, it happens like every job. With... <laughs> like just yeah. yeah yeah. If you don't have a sense of humor yeah. in here, you're gonna be a miserable person. Yeah yeah. But I mean, there's no one who like does like a routine, like like a routine once a week, like a guy who's just like. like uh, the, the closest thing I found to that is, is one of our friends who's presently on the high side. Who, yeah, he would just get going in some monologue about something, and uh, but nah, haven't seen any formal comedy acts, but uh, a ton of informal. That might be considered writing. All right. So yeah. We, <laughs> that we don't get hit with a beanbag gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>